Hey friends, Kylie here, your host of Dream On with Kylie O'Miller, back for another episode with another former Division I athlete, someone who is chasing after dreams he didn't know he had, and someone that brings his background of swimming at a competitive level into his everyday endeavors. Thank you as always for tuning in. These episodes are recorded from a live Zoom webinar that I hold through the KO17 Lacrosse app and are constructed into this Dream On podcast you have found here. I hope you are gaining some insight from these episodes from some of the people that I have met throughout my lacrosse journey that have imposed so much of their wisdom on me. If you're loving our episodes so far, show us some love in the reviews and rate us five stars. Also, be sure to S-U-B-S-C-R-I-B-E, subscribe. It would mean the world to us. All right, we've got another special guest this week and I'm pumped to get right into it. Corey Camp is someone I can confidently say I did not know before 2021 and is one of the people that I am very grateful Instagram has brought into my life. As a true testament to the virtual world that the global pandemic has forced upon the world, Corey and I discuss how we connected and how we were able to thrive in our workspaces by creating a sense of community that we never thought could be as valuable virtually as we are surprised to find it proving us wrong every single day in that exact way. Corey swam for the University of Delaware, and we tap into the incredible resilience that he has shown day in and day out, due to some personal health struggles throughout his lifetime and swimming career, which only provide proof of why one should never give up. He is living proof of avoiding the doubters, crushing seven school records at Delaware, and now bringing his experiences as a collegiate athlete to more than movement, a space where he has combined his personal training expertise with emotional and mental training techniques that help his clients battle the struggles that come with being a former athlete and tackling a new sense of crushing their goals after sports have ended for them. We talk about how sports take up most of our lives, how we have found ourselves and what we value outside of the sports that make us who we are, our coffee addictions and need for adventure, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a chance to take a piece of wisdom from Corey, as I have been so lucky to do so within the short time of virtually knowing him. Here's to meeting, maybe in Brazil one day, Corey? Athletes pumping up athletes. This one's a good one. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dream On Podcast. Tonight, our guest is Corey Camp. I am so excited about this because, um, and we're going to get into this a little bit, but the power of social media has kind of brought us together and uh, created this friendship that, like, literally, I didn't know Corey about a month ago. Um, and we were able to connect on Instagram and through Emily Perrin, um, just a kind of mutual friend and mutual mentor of our both of ours. So uh, it just kind of shows the beauty of the social and virtual world that we're living in right now. But I'm excited to introduce Corey here. He is a personal performance coach for former athletes. Um, he works together with his former athletes to kind of improve physical, mental, emotional uh, well-being through his holistic coaching approach, which I'm excited to kind of tap into in this episode and just kind of figure out the ins and outs of all of that because it sounds incredible. Um, he's also a formerly, former nationally ranked swimmer at the University of Delaware, where he holds seven school records. Like seven? Is that seven? Okay. Um, I was reading that right, right? Okay. And Corey, uh, you know, he had spent much of his time following his athletic career, researching how to bring the athletic mindset of being an athlete from the days of competing uh, into daily life post-athletics. So he hosts the Athletic Mindset podcast 
as a way to kind of share those insights as well as the work that he does with his clients. So uh, Corey, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for that short-winded uh, intro there. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm excited to dive into things here with you. I, like you said on my show, it's always fun to be on the other side of, instead of being the interviewee uh, or the interviewer, you're the interviewee. So I can't wait. Let's go. Let's get into it. So something uh, unique on our, on the dream on podcast, we always go off to a good start. Um, so instead of just getting right into the questions of like, Hey, where are you from? It's uh, Hey, Corey, what is something that you are thankful for today? Um, the ability to move my body. Mm. It's always a good one, right? Oh yes. Oh yes. I think that's a great, like bird's eye view one. Right. I think especially, um, you know, I know myself, I'm always pinpointing like, Hey, this hurts. Like, ow, something hurts right now. Like it's always just the ability to be able to move our body in general, wake up and be able to do that is a blessing in itself. So I love that you said that. Um, secondly, something that you are proud to say that you've accomplished today. Ooh, when I saw you send me that question, I was like, man, what am I gonna, I'm gonna gotta go do something crazy before this podcast. So sounds super impressive. Um, <laughs> And I did quite the opposite. Um, something that I'm very proud of that I accomplished today actually is I ran two miles at a very slow pace, which is hard for me to do. I really struggle to slow down, but I did it. <laughs> and I did it at the pace that I needed to make sure that I'm hitting because I'm training for something coming up here soon. That's awesome. Yeah. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? You're training for a marathon, right? Yeah. Um, at this point, it's two and a half weeks out. Um, wow. And it will be a fun one. It'll be my second go at a, a solo marathon attempt and looking to PR by hopefully an hour. That's the goal. Wow. Good for you. And can you explain what a solo marathon is? So it's not an event, obviously. Yeah, it's just a wake up. It's a wake up and go run a marathon kind of thing. Wow. So I did it last year for a nonprofit in DC, and I'm going to do it this year for um, probably a YMCA or a nonprofit out here in LA, just a way to get back to the community. Wow. That's first of all, incredible. Something I could never do. Um, so really awesome. And talk about self-motivation. I mean, like self solo marathon. I mean, marathon is one thing when you've got like a million people, but solo marathon, good for you. I'll be cheering you on, uh, virtually as, as the Thank majority you. of our friendship has, uh, has been, uh, handled so far. All right, last but not least, something that you are pumped to go out and chase. Could be tomorrow, in the coming weeks, in the coming years of your life. What's something that you're pumped to go chase? Honestly, it's I get pumped up every day to just impact one new person a day, whether it is through a podcast like this, through my podcast, the coaching that I do. I just get really excited to impact one person's life and leave life and leave them a little bit better than they were when they found me. Mm. So that's, that's what excites me. That's, that's really great. I saw a quote and I'm not, I'm going to butcher the saying of it right now. Cause it's definitely not quoted by anyone. This is my, my interpretation of it, but pretty much said the exact same thing where like, that's what humans are meant to do. Um, we're not meant to kind of live for ourselves. We're meant to be able to share what we know and what we are able to impact on others. Like that is the definition of who we are as humans. Um, is the way that we're able to impact the people around us. So that is um, really incredible that you said that. And that's what you want to go chase each and every day. 
Um, so talk about like a little bit of how you got to this awesome human that you are that wants to chase after stuff like that um, today. Like, where'd you grow up? What kind of sports did you play growing up? Um, obviously an athlete at heart. Where did that kind of stem from? Yeah. Well, one, thank you. Um, two, <laughs> I'm from just outside of DC in the Silver Spring, Maryland area. And really my first dive into athletics actually is not like most people's. Um, I had a near drowning experience at four years old. My dad is a swim coach at the local um, summer club. And this is like pre-online registration days, right? If people can remember that way back when. So you used to come to the pool a weekend before Memorial Day weekend and sign up on paper and write your name, your suit size. So my dad's handling all of the parents and kids that are signing up and he said just go play around i was like okay cool four years old yeah i'll go play around well there is a pool vacuum if you're not familiar with what that is it's just a long pole with some wheels on the bottom that cleans the bottom of the pool in the deep end i was super curious and i decided that looks like a really fun thing to climb on so i just climb on this pole next thing i know the wheels go and i am in 13 feet of water four years old had no idea how to swim luckily my dad hears me uh, swims the length of the pool fully clothed to save me and I had no fear of the water thankfully after that all I really remember was going to McDonald's like (laughs) 30 minutes later getting breakfast I'm like I'm fine and (laughs) I found myself enrolled in swim lessons the next week um and the rest was kind of history. I, I loved the water ever since then, which is not your typical way to get introduced to a sport like that, you know? No, definitely not. I mean, that's probably one of the only sports out there, a handful of sports out there that you can have an experience like that, that brings you into it, right? Uh, a near drowning experience at such a young age. And then you end up having such a star studded career in swimming. Um, that's really awesome. And kudos to your dad, first of all. Um, right for jumping in there and saving you. <laughs> um, so yeah, when you got into those swim lessons and you started, you know, competing, did you play other sports as well? Were you just strictly a swimmer at a young age? And then when did you kind of like know that swimming was it for you? Yeah, I, I mean, like everyone, I balanced a few different sports. I liked baseball. I actually excelled faster at baseball at first rather than swimming, but I always just found myself drawn to the pool that was where I felt the most at home the most at peace and even it was funny it wasn't until about I think it was sixth grade when I decided to go all in on swimming and give up baseball basketball all the other things that I was doing and at the time I was actually better at baseball than I was at swimming but it just didn't excite me as much as I did being in the pool and it's really funny full circle now like I'm living with two of my teammates that I met at nine years old through swimming out here in LA and it's I'm so thankful that I chose to stick with that sport because it's had its plenty of ups and downs but it's taught me so so much similar to like lacrosse has taught you over the years it's I wouldn't change anything yeah well that's really awesome I know I saw your uh, your Instagram post today actually just about your two roommates um and that's just a really cool full circle moment right and um, it's always interesting to think back to those uh, instances where you're playing other sports and it's like, what would my life be right now if I had played ba- baseball or if I had played basketball instead of swimming? So 
Um, it's really great that you stuck to your gut and it brought you a lot of great things. So um, one thing that I wanted to talk to about on this episode that's really, I guess, unique to a lot of the other guests that we've had, a lot of people on here have been lacrosse people um, and lacrosse is a team sport right? Swimming is an individual sport. Technically it's a team sport, right? But you're in the lane by yourself most of the time, even if you're in a relay, um, you know, you, it's you versus the other people next to you in the other lanes. What do you think would, would you say uh, at a young age, even all the way up to the D one level, like, what would you say is the hardest aspects as competing as an individual and like having that pressure on yourself? Mm, that's a great question. Um, obviously I, I loved it because mm -hmm. it gave me full ownership over my performance. Like there was no one else to blame. If I had a bad swim, I couldn't point to a teammate and be like, man, you gave up that goal. Like it's your mm -hmm. fault we lost. Like, no, it was, it started, it ended on me. With that came a lot of pressure, but I think I've always viewed it as this sense of, wow, this is very empowering and, and freeing in a mm -hmm. way, rather than feeling it as a bogging me down kind of pressure, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like a pressure is a privilege type of situation. Yeah, I've always welcomed that. And I think that was what led me to success, especially towards the later years of my career was I actually started to embrace and thrive in those high, high pressure moments. Like it got to the point where at Delaware, you knew when it was, an A final, which was the top eight conference. Like I was next time and I was gonna place very, very well and do the best I can to, to win the race type mm -hmm. of deal. And that's what I think really excites me about the, the individual aspect. But I love the team component of swimming in the sense of I wasn't alone training. Like I had other people to push me day in and day out. Yeah. So that part is, is very interesting, especially, you know, for our listeners who have never swam competitively, right? Like, I don't know if you actually knew this about me, but I, I swam competitively when I was younger. Um, and I loved it as well. I almost like kind of wish that I went a little bit longer with it. Um, but I've swam, I think until I was like 12 or so. Um, but I loved it. I was a butterflyer. <laughs> I I was the weirdo that liked to the butterfly. Um, and I, I, can totally like kind of get what you're saying in a sense that like, yes, the pressure is on you to perform, but also at the same time, like, you know, if, it, if you had a bad day, it was you and then you could turn it around. Whereas there's no one to like turn around and be like to blame really other than yourself. So I think at a young age, what that's probably helped you do is just mold that sense of like self-criticism, being able to look inward and in a good way, right. In a positive way. Um, and being able to like own your own mistakes. Like you said, I think I love, I like that word ownership, um, be able to say it out loud or tell it to yourself and then be able to move forward. Um, I think that's really, really important. What do you think, like, how can you kind of, or what kind of advice can you give to someone who's listening, who plays a team sport um, in that sense, right? But is still kind of struggling with that, uh, that piece of taking ownership for their own mistakes or, uh, feel that pressure to perform and, you know, for their teammates on the field. And it's kind of very overbearing. What were some kind of things that you helped take your mind off that pressure a little bit? Yeah, it, it starts and ends, I think, with taking ownership over your own performance. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's one of the unique things I've gotten out of the podcast that I've been running with talking with a lot of team background players. I'm like, how did you get your mind off of like, you did everything right, but mm-hmm. your teammate didn't. And like you lost or the play didn't go your way. You gave up a big play. And they're like, that's not where my focus went. My focus started and ended at the end of the day. You can only worry about what you can do. So mm-hmm. as long as you're doing that to the best of your ability, hopefully the team around you can see that as well. And they start to take ownership of their own actions and you start to mesh. And that's really kind of what builds, uh, I guess, a championship culture in a lot of senses. And that's why you see, it's not always just the best player on the best team wins the championship. You need kind of all of those individual pieces and the teams that are really, really phenomenal throughout whatever sport are the ones that each player there understands their role and they take complete ownership over that role Mm -hmm. and they just live into that day in and day out. Um, So that's kind of my advice to anyone who's out there on a team right now. And they're like, maybe struggling, not where they want that team to be Mm -hmm. focus on your role and then have a discussion with the people on your team too. like start to help them understand their roles as well. It's going to only help better the team in the long run. That's a really important aspect too. I think, especially at young ages, we're scared to have those conversations with our teammates or with the people that around us, um, because they're scary, right? You don't want to feel like you're blaming anybody or you feel like you're a little bit, um, you know, higher up than anybody or a little bit more inferior. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. You're ultimately just like looking out for the betterment of the team, like you said. So, um, I think that's a really great kind of piece of advice there is to kind of talk about it. A lot of things we've learned over this last year is let's talk about some things and we're getting to through some conversations that are helping move forward. Um, and the same can be for a team culture. Yeah. And I think what's really cool about that is we all have a superpower. Like we all have something that makes us unique and we're really, really good at for you. You might be a phenomenal scorer, but not so great of a passer. So it wouldn't make sense for you to always give in to passing, right? If scoring is your superpower for me, my superpower was distance freestyler. So I could contribute the most to the team. If I was swimming distance freestyle events, whereas if they put me in the sprint events, Yes, I like to sprint, but I was not good at it. So it was understanding like, okay, what is my superpower? And let me lean into that and understand that if I do that, then the team as a whole will benefit more. So I think if you can look at it from that point of view, yes, it's a difficult conversation, but you're really just exploring some really exciting stuff. You're trying to find your superpower and how you best contribute to a team. That's exciting, I think. Definitely. Um, I love that you said that because that's a, that's something that coach Jenny Levy with team USA tells us all the time is to find our superpower um, and be able to kind of just dive right into it and go full fledged into it. Um, So that's really great that you said that uh, kind of two worlds intertwining there. (laughs) Um, But yeah. So how can you, um, you know, can you kind of explain some of, let's talk about like your time at Delaware, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Some of your, I guess, struggles with being a division one athlete or a a competitive swimmer at that life um, or at that level, sorry. And then, but like, what were some of the things that canceled some of those lows out? What were some of the highs that came with swimming at Delaware that 
Um, you know, yes, the time management and the struggles with all the things as a, as a division one athlete, they're there, right. That we don't want to avoid them, but um, you know, what were some of the highs that kind of cancel those out that you remember most? Mm-hmm. Um, I think to take it back a little bit to give you a better understanding about kind of my story um, in high school, I had um, a heart condition. So this would happen every so often at some practice where I would just collapse and my heart rate would have gone through the roof, would lose vision, would lose feeling in my hands and feet. So for a while, it didn't even look like it was going to be a possibility for me to swim at the next level. I had a lot of cardiologists, top cardiologists in the country, not able to diagnose me what was wrong with me, but just saying, hey, well, this only happens when you swim. Like, why don't you just give up swimming? Mm. And you guys know, like, if lacrosse is your life, like, if you're being told to give up lacrosse, all of a sudden you're like, what? No, like, you can't tell me what to do. So luckily I stayed with it and there's a lot of uncertainty around it. It would happen into my freshman year, so much so to the point where leading up to conferences freshman year, I had like two episodes in two weeks, which was very frequent for me. They were usually once a month. And when I saw the team doc, he was like, has this been happening a lot? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) he goes, all right, if you have one more, like I'm going to have to, I can't clear you to swim at the conference meet. And sure enough, like two days later at practice, I have another one. And I look at my coach, he looks at me, he knows exactly what's going on at this point. We just have this mutual understanding of like, yeah, something's not right, but I'm not going to tell anyone (laughs) if you're not going to tell anyone. (laughs) And thank God he didn't. Um, I still swam the meet and I was able to actually go on to become Delaware's first ever rookie of the year that year and set, set a school record as a freshman, got second in the mile, the, all these things. I was like, man, that almost didn't happen. Yeah. But because of that experience and that heart condition in general, to sum it up, I got surgery after freshman year and I've been fine ever since, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But that always put it in perspective to me like I started off this conversation, I'm just grateful for, to be able to move my body. I, I looked at swim practice every day as an outlet to just be grateful for what my body was able to do. Mm-hmm. And I was, I loved how I was able to push it to its absolute limit in practice in meets and just see what it could handle time and time again. And thankfully it didn't fail me to the point of no return uh, yet. Yes. Thankfully. <laughs> so I think coming from that mindset and that experience yes there's definitely weeks where it's a drag it's a lot of hours it's a lot of travel it's it's all the things but it made it easier for me to put it in perspective and be like hey look i'm doing some things that not that many other people can say that they're doing mm-hmm. and it opened up so many doors for me so yes were there late nights not really <laughs> I was one to always go to bed at like 9.30 because practice was at 5.30 the next day and I was up at 4.30 to get ready for practice. So I didn't, I valued my sleep a little bit more than most people. But all the sacrifices that you have to make as a college athlete, right? You turn down the parties, you turn down going on the spring break trips, wherever Mm -hmm. and whatever that looks like, I think to me was worth it. One, because I was grateful for what I could do physically. 
and mm-hmm. two, being grateful for just the realization of the teammates that it brought me and the people that it brought into my life were so like-minded to me that the general population at most colleges don't understand it. There's a reason why athletes are able to connect and bond so quickly. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of that common ground there. So that's how I navigated the lows um, with those highs. Well, incredible story there. I did not know that about your about your past. So um, like kudos to you for being able to push through and very, very grateful that you were able to be here. Um, and I think one thing that you went quickly, quickly over there was one school record out of the seven that I mentioned. <laughs> yes, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What were the others? What were the other ones? Um, were they all in distance freestyle, like you mentioned, as your superpower? Yeah, so 200 free, 500 free, um, thousand mile, and then 400 IM and the 800 free relay. I always gave my teammates a hard time. I said I would have had more if I was allowed to swim more at conferences. <laughs> oh, I love but that was that was kind of the longer the event, the better I was at it. And then I slowly started to get some speed as I grew older, which was exciting too. I never got good at the 50 or hundred though. I was kind of bummed. You know, I would be very much so the opposite as you as a swimmer. And that's, it's funny that you mention it, you know, um, in swimming terms as, you know, like the 50 and the hundred as shorter distances. Um, and then there's lacrosse players on the lacrosse field. We have you know midfielders and then there's, you know, low crease attackers or low defenders that, mostly are a little bit more choppy feet, quick and shifty, small cuts, little turns, real quick bursts of sprints. And then there's middies who can run up and down for days. So that that ability to have, like you were mentioning before, everybody's different superpower put mm. together um, creates a championship team. Um, so that's, that's really awesome. And again, kudos to you for all the school records. Um, definitely more than I have and definitely some that you should have up on the wall. I hope they're up on your wall over there in in LA um, because that's something you should be really proud of. So you mentioned something as well, um, just kind of like mentioning the, being an athlete at, at in college, right? Being an athlete is kind of like a different mindset. And I think that what you've done is something really special in you've taken that mindset and how people who are athletes who have been athletes it's just a different culture. It's just a different way of being. Um, That's just how we attack every single day life, right? It's just part of us. And you've taken that and turned it into your career. Can you talk about that now Um, and how, you know, that kind of sparked your interest into starting out what you do with your clients? And can you tell our listeners a little bit about what it is that you do as a personal performance coach? Yeah, absolutely. It was... (laughs) how that came about really was through starting my own podcast was it was looking at like, Oh, why did I like swimming so much? I loved it because the doors had opened for me and the the people that it introduced me to the cultures that I was able to learn. I, I didn't realize it at the time. Like when I was at Delaware, my one rival, so to speak at Towson uh, was two years older than me. He was the, the one guy to beat me in my main event, my first two years. And I, you would think like, if that's your rival, you wouldn't be like close friends. Mm -hmm. He's a great guy. We stay in touch to this day. 
He's from the Bahamas. I found myself oh. on vacation in the Bahamas one year and sure enough, like messaged him and he, sh- he was giving me a personal tour around the island. I was like, this is freaking awesome what sports can do. How can I create this kind of culture so that everyone can experience it? And that was really when I realized I was really good at connecting with people and I wanted to do it through first the podcast platform and then through this more than movement coaching concept that I've created is really focused on bringing together a community of like-minded former athlete individuals and creating a space where they feel like they can just be authentically them Mm -hmm. and they can live into their superpower because yes, as athletes, we have some pretty crazy abilities that most of the world looks at like we're crazy. Like Mm -hmm. our ability to hyper-focus on one thing is what separates us from 99% of the population. But 99% of the population looks at that as a bad thing. I'm here to argue that, no, it's probably one of the best things for you. Let's lean Mm -hmm. into that. But how can we harness it in a way that makes sense? Because when life ends, sport ends for us, rather, we lose that structure and that guidance a lot of times. So we feel a little bit lost of like, I know how to work hard. I know how to focus. What am I doing it towards? That's really the aim of my work is to help people gain clarity around what it is it that they want and how can they get there as efficiently as possible and bring them together in a community setting while doing it. Wow. Well, I think that's really incredible what you've done because one, it's, it's super unique. How has nobody thought of it before, right? Like you're awesome um, for thinking of it and kind of just realizing it through your own experiences, like you said too. I think that's the crazy part about sports is some of the people that have been our biggest opponents turn out to be our best friends later in life. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, because of that like-minded mindset, we're, we're out there to ultimately compete against each other. We probably have some similarities in what we're focusing on and what we're spending a lot of our time and energy on. And it's that common goal that we're competing towards. Um, so I think that's really, really awesome. I would love to know what, I mean, I know as myself, a former collegiate athlete, still a professional athlete, but still it's, there are all sorts of different struggles as you go from level to level. What would you say are some of one, your personal struggles post-collegiately or post, you know, um, as a former athlete, and then some of your clients as well, if you're willing to share what are some of the most common ones that a lot of people struggle with going from athlete to real world, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, I think for me personally, a lot of it is my personality is like, if I'm going to start something, I want to be not just good at it. Like I want to be the best at it by the time I I get into it. There's a reason why we joked about the solo marathon at the start of this, right? Like last year around this time, I ran a 5k and that for the first time in like three years, I was like, well, if I'm doing a 5k, I might as well run a 10k next week. And just found myself building and building. And six weeks later, I was running a marathon by myself for the first time. Uh, I was like, yeah, I want to be the best at this kind of thing, which has its downsides, right? Like it plays out really, really well when I have the right structure and guidance in place, like I said earlier, but when it doesn't have it, it leads to a lot of downfalls. Like when sport first ended for me, I found myself drinking and partying a lot more than I should have because I had that same mentality. I wanted to be the best at drinking and partying and going out and balancing that with being a normal 
human, I guess, in the real <laughs> world. I quickly learned that wasn't possible. Um, so, I mean, that's just one of the, the many things that I personally have struggled with post-sport. A lot of the clients that I work with, they just struggle finding that clarity around what it is they want to do because, I mean, sport for a lot of us, we're in it for 18 years, 16 years, 15 years. It's like all we know. It's, mm-hmm. it's really a, a relationship, right? You get into this relationship with your sport for, and it's like your number one priority. You look at every decision you're making every single day is, is this going to make me a better swimmer? Is this going to make me a better lacrosse player or not? And it makes it really easy to say, I'm going to do that or I'm not going to do that. So all of a sudden, when it's not there, you feel like one of pieces missing mm-hmm. Two, all of a sudden you find yourself making probably more bad decisions because you don't have a filter anymore to be like, no, I shouldn't stay up until 3 a.m. watching Netflix tonight because I have practice in the morning. Yeah. There's no practice the next day. So what are you going to do? How are you going to find self-motivation? That's kind of what I work with a lot of people is finding clarity, finding a source of self-motivation to just drive them and give them that purpose again. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's incredible and sounds, you know, incredibly familiar Um, to, I, I can only tell you how many, you know, friends and peers and, and athletes that I know that are going through similar things. So um, just a lot of people out there that could use someone like you guiding them through all of these struggles um, because they are so common. And you, if I'm not mistaken, you, you combine not only like this piece of finding the self-motivation and the emotional and mental side of it, but also the physical side of it too. So you keep people moving and going. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So one thing we haven't even touched on pre-pandemic, I was the assistant fitness director at a country club outside of uh, DC uh, back home. And I absolutely loved it. I was personal training, a bunch of people, I was coaching. It was great. And I found how can I bring that into this mental and emotional well-being talk? Because it is, it's a challenging subject, right? It's not something that all of us are ready to admit that we need help with or that we want to even discuss. So I was like, well, and it can be really frustrating because it can be abstract, especially to to former athletes. Like we want things to be super layman terms, super simple, and it just clicks for us. Mm -hmm. So I found like, okay, what if I can take personal development, mindset, whatever you want to call it, and make it super simplistic and deliver it in, yes, audio format like this where we talk about it, but then it's reinforced through a workout, for example, where we're moving our body because you can't talk the identity of an athlete without talking the physical identity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's so much a part of who you are as much as the mental and emotional so I think to address one without the other is doing a disservice. Hmm. So that's kind of why I've wedded the two together. Well, that, again, another incredible idea on your part, um, because I can just attest to the idea, like you said, yes, it's, it's difficult at first to talk through the mental side of things and the emotional side of things. Um, but I think personally for me, it's easier to open up about that stuff when I feel good about myself physically, right? Or if I just got a good workout in, or if I'm 
working hard next to somebody that I trust because they just put me through a really, really tough workout and they have my ultimate best, you know, in mind physically for my physical goals, then they most likely have my best in mind for my emotional goals as well. Um, so I'm most likely going to open up to those people. So I think that's a really strong concept that you kind of put together and based off of, you know, your previous job as well. So another thing that we talked about pre-podcast, but you keep mentioning that you used to live in DC, right? Now you're sitting on this computer in front of us in Southern California. So can you talk about what kind of motivated you to go cross country, you know, leave that job there and then be able to, to start all of this up and be able to kind of make that leap? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is the furthest that I've ever lived from home, which is pretty funny. Um, even going away to Delaware, it was only about an hour and a half from where my parents lived. So what really inspired this transition, this up and leave, like let's go to LA was a couple of different factors. One, it started with me quitting that assistant fitness director job last summer. And as I'm starting to build this concept, this group coaching concept, it's getting some traction. The podcast is finally getting some traction after doing it for a year. It's like, wow, like people are actually really interested in this stuff. I think I'm, I'm on to something. This is great. And I actually booked a trip out here as a, a reward to myself to after every time I enroll in my group program, I always schedule something that is like something for me afterwards, because it's a lot of time and energy to enroll people in your vision. And I'm, I spend two to three weeks at a time where I'm just on calls nonstop, wake up to uh, going to bed. So I need something to reset. And in the fall, the reset was actually coming out to LA to visit my best friend, Jack, who lived out here at the time in Santa Monica. And while I'm going to visit him, my other best friend, Jorge, happened to be out here as well, who also is living in DC at the time. And it's the first time the three of us are really hanging out in a few months. And we're just joking around like, it would be crazy if we all lived together. And we're like, yeah, that would be insane. We wouldn't, that's never going to happen. And then two weeks later, we get back. I'm like, man, you know, everything clicked when I was out in LA. Like mm -hmm. I was doing podcast interviews in person, outdoors, distanced. Um, that was like, I would never would have been able to do this if yeah. I wasn't in LA. It's like, what if I just embrace it? and just and move there. So I text Jack and I say, Hey, I'm thinking about moving to LA. Would you be down to live together? And he goes, are you serious? Jorge just texted me saying same the thing. exact same thing. Like, I'm just going to throw us all in a group chat and we're going to go house hunting together virtually. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> and we lucked out and we found this house in Venice beach. That's a block from the water. And I have my, my podcast studios actually on our front porch in our front yard. I just got a big banner with promoing and uh, the branding okay. behind it. It's a really cool environment. And that's kind of my vision. Once things open up again is have this be a space where former athletes in the area or coming from all different areas can come through. We can have real authentic conversations around these kind of topics mm -hmm. and they just feel at home uh in this place and they feel like they can just be authentically them and that's ultimately the goal of what i want to do with anything i'm doing whether it's the podcast coaching 
or that. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Like we were talking about, you know, prior to this episode, I think it takes a lot of guts to just up and leave something that you've known forever um, based on a vision and based on like a gut feeling. Like you said, it was like, wow, I just feel right here. You know, I just feel like I could do special things here. I'm not sure what they are yet, but let's just, I love the word you used, embrace. Let's just embrace it um, and just go for it. So uh, what would you say has been like your, you've been there for how long so far? Two months coming on three. Two, three months. Amazing. What's yeah. the best part so far? What are you most grateful for? Um, already just experiencing the, the power of connection out here. Like two weeks into living out here, I found myself doing a workout at the Dodgers facility with a couple other, like a former pro hockey player, an owner of another uh, supplement company out here, and this trainer who trains a lot of the Dodgers and other professional players. I was like, how the heck, did, how am I in this room right now? Yeah. I don't, this wouldn't happen if I didn't come out here. And I think how I learned how to just surrender to trusting that it's going to be okay. Mm. And what I would encourage those listening in to, to try out is writing out your past story. Similar to how I shared a little bit of my story earlier of the heart condition. When I wrote out that stuff, there were so many unknowns that I was facing on a daily basis, but each time I just leaned into it and trusted it, I saw that it was okay. So when we're faced with these decisions to move across country, yes, it's super scary. I've never lived this far away from home. It's all I've ever known was the East Coast. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't have a set job out here. I don't have anything other than my two friends. But I looked at my past story and I looked, wow, every time I had this come up in the past, it turned out to be okay. Mm. I don't know how it's going to turn out to be okay. It's still too early to tell. It's two months in, three months in. But I have this overwhelming sense that it is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And that's just given me permission to myself to just go out and do the thing and, and see what happens. And I think that's what's, what's really powerful. Go out and do the thing, everybody. I told you to say something inspirational. There it is. Go out and do the thing. I love it. <laughs> um, no, good for you. And I, I have a really strong feeling for you too. Um, I think you're going to make special things happen out there. I mean, already working out at the Dodgers <laughs> facility, like that's something I could never say I'm doing and I'm still a professional athlete, right? Like, so that's pretty, that's pretty sick. Um, we'll, we'll get you in next time you're out yeah. here. Well, there we go. Look at that. That brings me into my next kind of like topic that I wanted to talk on is just like, I mentioned it quickly at the beginning of this episode, but how special it's been to be able to, yes, in a very, very difficult year, you know, 2020, 2021 with the global pandemic and everything, it's forced a lot of us to be virtual. Um, but it's also forced us to really lean into making connections with people we probably never would have via social media or you know via podcasts or um you know mutual people that we've met on social media and that's exactly how we met and here we are having multiple conversations about you know traveling the world and our goals and the struggles that we face as former former athletes and I think that's really special something that you mentioned to me off air was um just about the idea that it's been really great for you to be able to go out there and still be able to have this sense of community 
it's not a physical community, but now it's, it's a virtual one and everyone's got common goals. Everyone has this sense of urgency to make those goals happen. Um, can you talk on a little bit of like some of the special moments that you've kind of been able to connect through over this past year, just based off, you know, social media and that community that it provides? Yeah. And I think I love social media, um, <laughs> which obviously it's a problem if you like, spend all of your day on it, but I think it's only a problem when you're using it to not be social on it. We seem to have forgotten that is a key part of using the Instagram or using whatever the platform is that you like to use. It's a really powerful connecting tool. And if you use it properly, you can find yourself in some rooms that you never thought you would or having conversations you never thought you would be having. I think the ultimate testament to that actually was a year ago, I was on a Zoom screen like this for an event um, with a company called Talent Hack. And I, they were having a little seminar saying, grow your fitness business online, like quick, because the pandemic just happened. And I was like, crap, I don't know what I'm going to do. The club just shut down. Like, I need to grow my online fitness business. So I'm on this set webinar. It's the first time I ever heard of Zoom. <laughs> and this guy is speaking his name's Nick Pags and he was absolutely phenomenal speaker very energetic wow I, I love what this guy has to say I'm gonna shoot him a voice note afterwards so mm-hmm. I shoot him a voice note on Instagram after the fact and I said hey I really appreciate the energy and just what you shared on that uh, meeting like I would love to have a virtual cup of coffee I'm down in DC I know you're in New York and I'd love to just hear how you got into mindset coaching because mm. I had never heard of mindset coaching, but I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. I yeah. got to, I got to pick this guy's brain. And he graciously replied back. I found myself on a one-on-one zoom with this guy for an hour. And he like helped me lay out a game plan of how to actually get something rolling business-wise completely for free. Like yeah, nothing. Just, just out no of charge. the niceness of his heart. Yeah. I was like, man, this guy is freaking awesome. <laughs> and we found ourselves slowly connecting paths crossing time and time again I actually hired him to be a coach of mine last year for for about four or five months of the year I worked with him and it was phenomenal a lot of my success I have to attribute to the work that him and I did together it comes full circle because he his girlfriend is Brazilian and she's from Sao Paulo and he decided to move to Sao Paulo to be with her in December and I said hey, I'm looking for a vacation after my last group launch. Would it be crazy if I come to Brazil? And he goes, no, absolutely not. You're going to stay with BNI and we're going to do like eight days in Brazil together. Wow. I'd never met this either of them in person before. And I I travel like 14 hours to show up at their front door. And we just give each other like the longest hug. It was like we were long lost friends. And it was like, that was that moment to me where I was like, wow, social media, all of this virtual stuff, it's real. Mm. It really is real. Like you can form real connections through a screen. Yes, it's not the exact same as what we're used to, but it's really, really impactful. And if nothing else, it's laying a great foundation for when the world does open up again. Mm. And you can have this sense of community wherever you are in the world. It doesn't really matter if you're in Long Island, if you're in New York City, if you're in LA, like it's all connected. 
Wow. That's a really uh, just kind of full circle story there. Um, the ability to meet someone through Instagram and then be able to be in a completely different country with them for eight days, less than a year later. That's, you know, that's amazing. And it really does show you, I mean, I think we hear a lot of negatives about social media, like you said, because we do use it for, for negativity sometimes. And sometimes we just use it just as a, a scrolling tool. But like you said, it's literally in the name of social media. We're supposed to be on it to be social. Um, and so many amazing connections can happen from that. So that's, that's just incredible. Um, I really like that story. And I know that while you were down there, I obviously follow you on Instagram now too. And you had this one post about your coffee mug that we had some conversation about, right? So a coffee lover, um, just like myself. Uh, so we had a little conversation about all of that, but yes, I love coffee. You love coffee. Um, what else is Corey into outside of work, outside of sports, outside of the stuff that you do? Um, we're all just talking about. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> you're catching me at a weird time. I'm actually on a three-day, I'm a, on day three of a coffee cleanse, caffeine Don't cleanse right now. That. Don't but tell me that. <laughs> make it happen. Um, outside of the sport and the work I do, I love this question because it's actually something I challenge everyone I work with to think about mm. is like this holistic version of you. Um, I would say I'm a communicator. I am a connector and I really enjoy learning. I'm, I think I really get fascinated by learning either new cultures. Like that's why Brazil was so exciting to me. Like I didn't speak any Portuguese other than bom dia, which is good morning. <laughs> that was it. Before I got there, don't ask me to speak anymore. It's not great, <laughs> but I learned a lot. Um, I'm always reading and I always try to expand knowledge in some sort of field that I'm not an expert in. I love just learning something new, whether it is learn. I'm looking at like the books to the right of me here. I have the essentials of strength and conditioning, <laughs> nutrition for health and fitness, like textbook kind of stuff that is kind of exciting to me. But I also have some stoicism and mm. like ancient Greek trying to learn from philosophy from back in the day um, mm. and bring that into the modern day. I think it's really exciting. Are you a Ryan Holiday fan? I am. I am. Have you? <laughs> Literally right. Uh, it's, it's right over. It's <laughs> next to my bed. The Daily Stoic. Great read. It's, uh, oh. it's a really interesting concept to me. Uh, again, slowing down and like reading one page a day for a year. Like what a crazy concept for a book rather than just reading start to finish whenever you finish it. Yeah. But I think it makes it way more manageable for him. I mean, one page. It's like he's asking for maybe two, three minutes of your day, every mm -hmm. single day. And we all have that. Absolutely. We all have that. And we all have that time to be able to sit and make like a deep connection, right? Like sometimes you find yourself. And I think this is what tying in your Instagram caption from that coffee mug photo, right? Was like what this last year has taught you is to slow down and be able to be like, okay with slowing down. Um, and I think that sometimes, you know, that's a struggle for myself as well. Um, and something that that book does for me, sometimes I, you know, catch myself like rushing through to read through, you know, what's today, March 24th, read through March 24th, like two paragraphs worth of stoicism from Ryan holiday. And it's like, 
Kylie, you don't have enough time, 30 seconds to re actually read and actually take this in rather than just kind of like running your eyes through the lines. Like that makes you step back and be like, okay, you, you have much more time to do the things that you really care about and do the things that are going to ultimately um, help you become a better person. Um, so that's, that's awesome. I'm really glad that we have a common uh, love for coffee, even though you're not drinking it now, I'll just drink I'll just drink extra for you. Um, Perfect. <laughs> not a problem at all. I uh, <laughs> and for books as well. So that's that's really great. Um, okay, so we have one more kind of like conjoined question, and then we're gonna finish with a little segment that I like to call quick finishes. Um, quick little like uh, like like yours. What was what were yours called? The fast five. The fast five. Yeah, I was pretty slow at those, so it was kind of ironic. Um, but we'll get to our quick finishes in a second. Um, so last but not least, obviously, um, you know, without you mentioned, um, what was his name? Uh, your mentor from last year that you worked with a little bit. Nick Pags. Nick Pags. I yeah. was going to say that. Yes. Nick Pags was one of your mentors recently. Um, I'm assuming you've had multiple mentors in your life up till this point. What do you think is one or two pieces of advice that you've taken from some someone special in your life that will stick with you throughout we'll go cliche uh from my dad <laughs> what was really unique growing up with a dad my dad swam in college as well he was a swim coach he still is a swim coach for like 40 something years now at this point wow. what's really unique growing up like the coach's son like people think like there's a weird dynamic there and I'm so thankful for the dynamic that was there between him and I, we bonded and he did a phenomenal job looking back on it mm -hmm. at balancing when to be a coach and when to be a parent. And he was always my summer coach year round, but for age group swimming, I had plenty of other coaches and it, I always remember being 14 years old. We're driving to junior Olympics, which sounds like a way bigger deal than it is. <laughs> It's not like the best meet in the, in the country at the time we're driving there. And I was kind of at a plateau in my career at the time. It had been pretty much a year plus since I had dropped any time. I wasn't the fastest of my friends and my dad could kind of tell that I was getting a little bit discouraged with the sport so much. So like he, I found out later, he went to my coach at the time and said, Chris, like what's going on? Corey's showing up to practice. He puts in the work. He's the first one in the pool. Why isn't he getting faster? And Chris was like, just give it some time. Like it will happen. So we're driving to this meet and I'm, I vividly remember listening to all I do is win by DJ Khaled, which is super ironic because I hadn't won anything at that kind of level of meet like ever at my life. Oh, it's so relatable. And my dad like taps <laughs> me and he goes, Hey, just whatever happens this meet, I just want you to, to go out and swim your own race. Like, don't worry about what the other seven guys are doing in that race. Just go out and do your thing. And I was like, okay, dad, cool. Like whatever headphones back in. And like, I go into this race and all of a sudden I find myself like it's a thousand freestyle, which is about a 10 minute race. And about like eight minutes into it, I find myself in contention to win like mm. what the heck is going on and i'm starting to really play into my game plan which was the longer the race was the better off i was honestly mm. and i just finished stronger than anyone in the field that day and that was really what 
boosted my confidence and boosted kind of my, my mindset mentality ever since was it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing around me. I can just only focus on my race, my lane and whatever I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I think cliche advice coming from my dad, but it's stuck with me, obviously 10 plus years at this point. We love fatherly advice on dream on. So don't worry. Um, that's, that's amazing. Stay in your own lane. I love the kind of connection to your swimming career, but also just to anybody out there that's listening, um, you know, just to, to stay true to you and what you're doing and your goals and your dreams. Um, so what would you say, turn and flip in the script a little bit. So instead of someone that has mentored you, what would you say is one of one piece of advice or one message that you want to get across to someone who might be looking to you as a role model or a mentor? Mm, exactly on the coffee mug, slow down yeah. to speed up. Um, it's this concept of it's okay to take time for you. It's okay to fill your cup first. It's very tough. A lot of us, I think, are in compassionate, caregiving people. We want to always pour into those around us. But the most efficient way to do that is to take care of yourself first. That Mm. sounds really backwards, but slow down to speed up and being selfish is the most selfless thing that you can do is two things that I've really started to learn in my own life and now have imparted into other people that I work with. That's awesome. I think I need a little bit of that um, myself. So I'll, I'll be writing that on one of my coffee mugs so that I can, I can see it, <laughs> but Perfect. I mean, it just incredible. I think, you know, you kind of took every piece of advice from your dad and from Nick Pags and everyone that you've worked with and all of your teammates at Delaware and everybody that you've kind of connected with over the years and turned into the awesome person that you are and that you continue to share with everybody that you work with now. So I'm grateful for that. I'm one of those people now. Um, so we're going to get into our quick finishes, just kind of end on a fun note here called quick finishes. That's a lacrosse term. Um, when you're kind of like right next to the cage and you're going for some quick little uh, dip and dunks and fun little fancy finishes. We love those. Um, so you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Best place that you've traveled to. Recency bias, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Pizza or tacos? Ooh. Um, man, that's a tough one. Tacos, if they're in Austin, Texas, pizza, it's East Coast. Wow. Just just Austin, Texas. Nowhere else. They're just so much better down there. If you <laughs> haven't been, highly recommend. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say tacos anytime there in that debate. So I guess I'm going to have to get myself to Austin. Um, <laughs> one place that you want to travel to. Ooh, Tokyo. That was on my list last year, obviously with the Olympics, but that got moved. And now it's a little bit too hard to get tickets to 2021. So at some point I, w- I would love to get out that way. I've been, you definitely need to go. You definitely need to go. I think you would really enjoy the culture there. Um, it's incredible. So keep that one on your list. All right. Favorite movie. Ooh, uh, warrior. Ooh. Are you familiar with that one? It's like the MM, it's an MMA, um, movie where it's actually two brothers that got like, not separated at birth, but separated later on in their career. And they go about and they meet in this championship match. Um, it was actually the movie that I chose to watch 
all four years pre-conference as like a, a pump up, get me amped up to go swim. Ooh. Which makes no sense because there's no contact. <laughs> sometimes that's, those are the best ones though, but something yeah. that, you know, something about it just gets your adrenaline going. That's awesome. I'm going to have to check it out. Um, morning person or night owl? Morning person, 1000%. What time are you usually up every day? Oh, um, five or earlier usually. Wow. Definitely a morning person. Good for you. Uh, it's, it's prefaced with 4.45 a.m. Some practice started at seven, seventh grade. So I've been conditioned to be this way. That, for better or for worse. That's not your fault. Not your fault. <laughs> um, if you could see one artist or band in one co- in concert right now, who would you see? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm. Um, actually, I would probably go see the last band I saw in concert. Would love to go see them again. The Revivalists. Mm. That was a good one. Where did you see them? It was fantastic. Um, down in DC on the wharf. I'm blanking on the name of the venue, but um, <laughs> it's a fantastic venue down there. They're a really cool band. They have like nine different members, bass players, drums, singers, like phenomenal live. Awesome. Yeah, I, I miss live music. That's one thing I'm really excited to come back. Uh, all right, last two here in our quick finishes. One athlete that you look up to. Ooh, um, <laughs> cliche, Michael Phelps. Well, duh. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, qu- real quick question. Do you do the same um, free, free swim stretch as him? No, I was a uh, two clap guy. I would clap two times on the blocks. To, that was my like lock-in laser focus reminder. Love it. Everybody's got something different. That's a good one. All right. Last but not least, one thing on your bucket list. Ooh, skydiving. I feel like I've done like a bunch of other cool stuff at this point. That's it's the furthest I haven't jumped from yet. <laughs> All right. That's a good way to put it. The furthest that you haven't jumped from is a plane in the middle of the sky. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I respect it. Awesome. Well, that uh, concludes kind of all the questions that I have written here um, and everything that I kind of wanted to speak on. I just wanted to say um, thank you so much for being here and for kind of connecting and being able to, you know, just share your wisdom with our KO17 lacrosse family and beyond anybody who's listening. Um, It means the world. And I think that, again, it just shows how incredible it really is to be able to connect with people that we've never met in person before, be able to have these conversations that will definitely shed some wisdom on anybody who listened today. So thank you. Yeah, and Kylie, thank you for creating this space. I said it on my show, but I love what you're creating here. So I appreciate you bringing me in and, and allowing me a space to just share my insights, and my story. Awesome. Well, of course. And thanks again. We'll have to do it again and we'll have to get, um, get you to one of our professional lacrosse games real soon. <laughs> we'll get there this summer, hopefully. Right. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Love to hear it. <laughs> All right, Corey. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for listening. I will see you again next time. Bye everyone.